This is On the Left Side, the alternative football show. Sweeper keeper Hart and Rooney from the halfway line. And Wayne Rooney has completed his hat-trick from inside his own half. Hello, I'm Jim. I'm back. And this is your funny football podcast, On the Left Side, ready to take a swing at the last few days of soccer stories. So let's go. Okay, I'm going to just come out and say it. Jose Mourinho is a bloody genius. A genius. I'm not talking about his transfer dealings or his tactical nous or even his management of the media. I'm talking about how he somehow seems to get exactly what he wants every single time. So this weekend just gone, Jose Mourinho's Manchester United team took on the might of Brighton and Hove Albion and nothing short of a win would do. Now, Jose has come under a little bit of pressure this season because whilst on one side of Manchester, the team in sky blue are playing the type of silky attacking football that would make Maradona weak, whilst at Old Trafford, the tactics would suggest that Jose is hoping to tie up an exclusive sponsorship deal with National Express next season. So with the struggling seagulls flying in for the weekend, it was the perfect chance for Jose to listen to those fans that were demanding more attacking flair from the team and play with Lukaku, Pogba, Martial, Rashford and Juan Mata in the same team. It's fair to say it didn't really work, with the Reds grabbing a desperate late goal and sneaking away with all three points. A display that, of course, Jose was not going to be taking any responsibility for. Attacking players doesn't mean that you are offensive. We had a lot of attacking players on the pitch, but we lost a bit of control in, um, in midfield. We had some problems. Which roughly translates as... You'll see what happens. You'll see what happens. I play the players you want and the style you want. Disaster. That's your fault. Now, uh, now we play my way. Jose Mourinho's greatest achievement is not his league titles or his cup wins. It's his ability to convince fans that dull, boring, joyless football is the only way to win. And he's doing it again in Manchester. I have to say, after that, I fully expected a defensive masterclass from Jose against Watford on Tuesday night. But instead, what we got was a consummate performance and an early 3-0 lead, which had the Portuguese purring after the match. Well, the second half should be 5 or 6-0. It was even easier to score goals in the second half than, than in the first. We were a few minutes where um, we should be smoking cigar and then suddenly we are um, in trouble. I'm not sure that would go down that well, if I'm honest. I mean, you're not even allowed to have a pint in the stands, so I'm sure sparking up a hamlet in the centre circle would be frowned on at best. But let's go back to the Brighton game for a minute. Most of the post-game chat there wasn't about the poor performance from United, but instead it was about Romelu Lukaku. Clearly, his recent goal drought is frustrating the big Belgium. And during the game, he decided to take out some of that frustration by kicking Brighton defender Guitan Bong square in the bollocks. A kick in the bollocks that sparked a mass conspiracy theory. At the time of the game, the ref didn't see it. So it was left to the FA panel to decide what the punishment should be. The same panel who just days earlier had banned Umar Nias for two games after taking a tumble in the box. Surely for aiming your studs at Bong's box, the punishment would be much more severe. Oh. Oh. Ah! 
although it wasn't. According to three ex-referees, taking your Adidas Predators to another player's meet and two veg is not a sending off offence, and Lukaku avoided a ban, meaning that fans of pretty much every single team other than United were instantly outraged. And when you are outraged by such an injustice, you only go to one place, and that place is Twitter. With at Aaron AFC STL tweeting, Surprise, surprise, Lukaku gets away with it. Absolutely pathetic from the FA. Not a pair of balls on that whole panel. And probably not a pair of balls on Bong now either. But anyway, at Chat of Burley also contributed, No ban for Lukaku. What a surprise. One rule for a scum. Another rule for the other 91 clubs in England. The FA always pander to the scum. And he's right. I mean, they've always just bent over backwards for United, haven't they? Remember, there was that time they let United have completely their own way when they extended Eric Cantona's club ban into the next season. And then there was that other time they let the club off lightly by making Rio Ferdinand the only ever player in footballing history to receive the maximum penalty and ban for missing not failing, missing a drugs test. Oh yeah, and don't forget when the FA pretty much bent over and let Old Trafford give it to them by banning Wayne Rooney for swearing on a televised game. The only player to ever receive a ban for such an offence. The sooner the FA stopped being United's little bitch, the better in my opinion. But it wasn't just a conspiracy in the corridors of power. It was a conspiracy in the corridors of auntie as well, with Match of the Day failing to show the incident or even mention it happened. Although, to be fair, Gary Lineker was quick to point out on Twitter that there was certainly no United bias in the MOTD swivelly chairs. We didn't see it at the time. We had five games to watch at 3pm. It only came to light after a few Brighton fans' mentions on Twitter late on Saturday night. Which is just a rubbish excuse. I mean, who's editing Match of the Day these days? Arsene Wenger? Honestly, during the game, I didn't see it. But Lukaku's testicle attack wasn't the only moment of controversy in the studio this weekend after ex-Arsenal defender Martin Keown strengthened the argument that repetitive heading of a football can cause serious brain trauma when he said this. Wednesday, they play West Ham at home. Yeah. Is there a bigger game in Everton's history? This massive. Bang on, Martin. As always, I mean, this club may have won nine league titles and seven domestic cups and the European Cup back in 1985. They may be a club who saved themselves from relegation back in 1994 by fighting back from 2-0 down to beat Wimbledon 3-2 on the final day of the season to avoid the dreaded drop by the skin of their teeth. But no, you're right. A midweek game against West Ham when we're about a third of the way through the season trumps all that stuff. Biggest game in their history. The crisis at Goodison Park may not live up to the Keown Hyperbowl, but there is certainly an air of panic around Everton at the moment. And it looks like the job of calming the troops is going to fall to Big Sam Allardyce. I imagine by the time you hear this podcast, the former England manager will have already unpacked his pint of wine and scoped out the best Chinese buffets around Goodison Park as he looks to do the job he's done countless times before and save a club from disaster. But I was surprised to see Big Sam back in the picture at all. After all, he was quick to rule himself out of the running just a few weeks ago because of an apparent lack of interest shown by Everton the first time round. And I imagine that lack of interest is something that the club will now have to pay for. I used a dating analogy then, and I'll use a dating analogy now. 
If you go into a nightclub and there's a young lady who's paying you lots of attention and you fob her off thinking, hey, look, it's early days. I could probably do a bit better than her. When it gets to the end of the night and she's still your only option, you've just made that job a lot harder for yourself. You will now have to work double hard to make it happen. You might even have to fork out for two double vodka and Red Bulls instead of the Bacardi Breezer that was originally on offer. Clearly, I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's been about 20 years since I dated anyone and I can't remember the last time I went to a nightclub. Essentially, in this scenario, I'm Glenn Hoddle, desperately trying to stay relevant, but hopelessly out of touch and just babbling incoherently. Did he die? <laughs> Thankfully, it's not Hoddle going to Everton, but it is England's most successful ever manager, Sam Allardyce, who looks to be pulling on the big blue padded coat of Everton FC, along with a rumoured assistant manager in the shape of Craig Shakespeare. Let that sink in for a minute, Toffees. You had Ronald Koeman, you've now got Big Sam and Big Craig. I'd like to take you back briefly to June 2016. Bill Kenwright appointed Ronald Koeman to look after the club's future with the words, the hopes and aspirations that we all have as Evertonians are with him. A lot has changed in 18 months, but as long as those hopes and aspirations involve grinding out a few 1-0 wins at home and trying to sign Andy Carroll in the January transfer window, I'd say it was all still bang on track. That's it, we are done for another episode of On The Left Side. Thank you for coming. Hey, you, you, stop that. Listen to me. Get us followed on Twitter, okay? At on the left side, and get this show subscribed to so you get the next episode as soon as it's finished and ready on Monday, okay? Yep, good. Now you can go back to what you were doing, but maybe a little less vigorously. You don't want it to fall off. I will be back on Monday morning with the new show, and until then, adieu. I don't know what that means. What's adieu? Bye. Bye bye. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson for Abrupt Audio.